welcome back to the second half of this conversation. I'm Sherry. And I'm Tamara. Thank you for listening to Geminit. We're going to do our origin stories. Would you like to go first? Sure. I've always loved fibers. Like when I was a kid, my mom could give me twine and sent me down with some macrame or embroidery floss for cross-stitch or counted cross-stitch. Um, and that would keep me busy for hours. But nobody in my family knit, so I didn't actually start out knitting. Um, in college, I found a Parks and Rec class for weaving. And I took that class and thought it was pretty great. And then a few years later, I found a used 36-inch floor loom. I think it was a Harrisville. I bought that and I loved it. I moved it with me from small apartment to small apartment. It would take up, you know, loads of floor space, but I wove every place we moved to. People keep telling me that I should try knitting and I would say, no, no, I don't need a new hobby, right? When boy number two came along and he was um, just a brand new baby, you came to visit and when you came, you brought yarn and a knitting kit and a book and needles and you sat me down started on a rolled brim simple hat and you kind of showed me you started the hat and cast it on for me and you showed me how to do the stitches and and then you handed it to me and said okay you go and I knit for a little bit do you remember what you said you said well that's not what I just showed you but (laughs) you did make a knit stitch and so I still knit that way Uh uh-huh and so that's how I got started And, you know, at first I had to carve out a few minutes each day because I had a two-year-old and a brand new baby. And so even those few minutes, it was hard to get. But if I didn't make the stitches every day, my fingers forgot how and I had to be shown all over again. So Uh I would carve out a few minutes. And then it got to be, that was how I got calm for the day. Like it's hard having tiny babies and you're a mom, so you're on all the time. And so I would say, I need five minutes to do this thing. And that was important. And now I get lots more time to knit. And that's how I got started. I did try um, spinning for just a short amount of time. When I finally sold my floor loom, because I wasn't using it anymore, I bought a spinning wheel for a little bit. And I found out very quickly that that was not for me. So I resold it and I bought more yarn for knitting. Uh And I haven't looked back. When I was little, my mom crocheted, but that's that's not how I started. She taught me the chain stitch but no farther than that. She was, I don't want to use the word crafty. Um, She made things, but it was always usable things. She made our clothes up until uh, the third grade, and they were nice enough that I wasn't embarrassed to wear them. I'm glad when she stopped, because in the 80s, brand names were a thing, but her quality was good. She cooked from scratch. She gardened. So she she was always doing stuff with her hands that was um, useful. She's and, a maker. Yes. I feel like it started at age 11 when our school did a class field trip to the Fort Hayes State Historical Site. It's the fort. We walked around and in one of the rooms was an old barn loom and there was a little girl, tiny little girl, weaving on it in the garb, the prairie garb. Mm-hmm. And I saw that and I was like, I want to do that. I went home and told my dad and he said, sure. And he said he would build me a loom. He even got some lumber that sat next to my bedroom door for a good four years before (laughs) the lumber went away. No loom ever happened, which is probably a good thing because at age 11, I had the attention span of a gnat. I would have tried it 
had been not for me and it would moved on and then it would not be a force in my life. Mm-hmm. So when I met you in college, you had just taken the class um, and you were on your way to the Peace Corps. So you were in the process, I guess the, we were friends for many years in college, but you were not weaving. I was not weaving. Um, I even chose K-State because they had a weaving program, but that was going to be my secondary. My first at the time was a biology. And by the time I got ready to take classes, they disbanded the weaving program. So I never got to take any weaving classes. Yeah. I was going to say, I think those looms are still in a hidden storage room someplace on K-State campus. And I keep wondering what it would take to pull them out and set up a studio for people to learn? I don't know the answer. So to set up a studio, I don't know the answer to that. Looms and storage, maybe, because that's where my first loom came from. I was able to buy it from K-State. We're going back up because now we're jumping ahead. So you and I were friends. Yarn never came up um, until there was... When I was 20, I went to the um, a regular mm-hmm. craft show. You had been doing your weaving thing, but you were graduating and moving away. And there was an Angora bunny there. And in college, we could have um, rabbits as pets in the dorm rooms. And I was in an apartment at that time, but my dorm room rabbit was no longer with me. I saw that Angora bunny on someone's lap and she was spinning. And I wanted that rabbit so bad. So I got that rabbit. (laughs) I took it home and put it in the bathtub. Didn't ask my roommate or anything. And she walked in and there was a rabbit in the (laughs) bathtub. And she took it amazingly well. That's good. So that rabbit, um, I didn't want to spin. But that was enough to make me join the Manhattan Guild that I knew about from you, even though once I joined, you were no longer a member. Mm -hmm. I wove. I first started triangle weaving as I waited to be able to afford a loom. And one of the Guild members, he brokered the deal with K-State, bought the loom from K-State, and then I was able to buy it from him in installments. That's awesome. Because that's the only way, I've, even though it was not expensive, it was so cheap. But installments was all I could handle as a, a college, college student. student. Yeah. Uh-huh. I wove for a few years. I was still in college. They got me into spinning. I started spinning in 1999. And then I uh, graduated and I moved to Kansas City where you were at the time. So we were, we were living in the same place again. Mm-hmm. You mentioned knitting mittens and gave me some old knitting needles. So you must have tried and hated it or a book or something. We did a lot of garage sales Uh those first years in Kansas City. And I'm sure I picked up the yarn and the needles and probably patterns, like old 1970s patterns or something. Uh Uh-huh. 1950s? I don't know. I'm sure that's where it came from. So I got the yarn and mitten, the, the needles from you for sure. I have so much yarn. I probably had my own yarn. Then I was able to knit myself a swatch and nothing else from a book. And it was a really old book, too, from the 30s. So then I joined a class at the Yarn Barn, and it was a six-week class on learning how to knit mittens. And that's how I got started into knitting. Hmm. And that was in 2000, and I have been knitting ever since. In fact, just like you, I don't weave anymore, although I still have one of my looms. I was up to 
three or four looms at one time and I've gotten rid of all of them. But I'd still keep one on hand just in case. Yeah. I, you know, I didn't think I missed my loom, but I was just in New Mexico on a fiber trip a few months ago and they had big studios set up with looms for people Mm -hmm. to, you could come in and borrow them. They had some classes. They had some people that just, you know, this was their loom because their project was on it. So you come and go as you want. It was a co-op and I actually might miss my loom now. Yeah. Yep. Well, if you truly do, I said I have one loom, but I actually come to think of it, I have two. I still have my table loom also. You can borrow that if you ever seriously miss it. I'll let you know. Thank you for the offer. You bet. My cherry, my cherry Norwood, Mm. that, yeah, that I am keeping uh, forever because it is so light that I can load it in and out of the car by myself and drive it to a weaving convention and take a class Mm -hmm. because I still like those classes. Uh, And a lot of things, the spinning and weaving are at the same conventions. That's the reason why Playa Way coming to Kansas City is so exciting because it's nothing but spinning. Yeah, that is cool. Okay, uh, our next segment is mulligans. So the best thing about knitting is the ability to rip things out and start over. So have you had any do-overs lately? When we were talking about doing new cast-ons, I pulled out this book and I thought, I've never tried a provisional cast-on. Or if I have, it's been so long ago that I've forgotten how to do it. How hard can it be? It's just yarn plus the actual, like waste yarn plus the actual yarn you're working on. I tried more than once to do a provisional cast on while there's life going on around me. Uh huh. And I ripped that sucker out time and time again. Turns out I need way more quiet than that to make it happen. So that is my mulligan. The good news is, is there's lots of different ways to do a provisional cast on. So this way in your book where it's wrapping your working yarn around a different yarn isn't your only option. Well, and what I really should do is just go find a YouTube video. There are wonderful YouTube videos for everything out there. And, you know, it's possible that trying to read five steps while people were talking to me and the TV was going and the younger boy was running past was not a good plan. Yes. So I have... I have decided I do not know how to do this provisional cast on. And mine is uh, at the beginning of the first episode, one of my works in progress was that uh, swing cardigan. I was designing it on the needles as I went. I had an idea of what I wanted, but each step I was making it up as I go. That in itself is a sure way of ripping stuff out. However, with the pleat, I've never seen a pleat in knitting before. Maybe, maybe a tiny pleat, Mm -hmm. uh, like an inch. Well, my pleat is a good... Yeah, it was big. What, five inches? Mm -hmm. A good five inches. That's a lot of pleats. And I figured even before I started, there's probably a reason why uh, you don't see pleats in knitting, but I also have faith in myself and that it would work out. I looked up pleats online, not knitting pleats, just pleats in general, and I, I just thought through what I would want, and... It was okay, but not great when I got to sewing it up. However, um, I took it to knitting group. And first I sat down to one of the ladies who is um, been knitting forever. She, you know, has like 20 years on me. So she has yet another 20 years of experience. And she helped me sew the seam better so it was invisible. And, but we still had lots of dragging, weight dragging on the shoulders. 
and I was thinking of different ways to fortify from the neckline down to the middle of my back where the pleat was because it was pulling it was pulling the yoke of my sweater out of shape from the uh -huh. weight of it yeah but I took a chance and I knew one of the brand new knitters was a seamstress. So That's exciting. I, yes. So I went over to her, talked to her about it. And she's the one that says, you know, on the sewn pleats, you sew the fabric of the pleat itself is not just sewn here for the fold, mm -hmm. uh, not just horizontally for the fold, but also vertically for a couple of inches that allows it to flare out, but also takes some of the stress down. And then also up at the top, there is some sewing on the inside where it folds out. So huh. anyway, first I sewed the pleat shut for about half an inch. And then where the pleat actually went out to the right and the left on mm -hmm. the inside of the garment, I went down two inches and I tacked it down so it's folded intact and then down another two inches I tacked it down once or twice more so that that whole fabric um, for the first four inches is all sort of bound together into a single fabric even though it's multiple layers from the pleat and by doing that it removed the stress from the neckline Huh. Which is magic. Right. Which the seamstress knew, but I don't know how that magic works. That's great to have a seamstress at your knitting. When you're doing a sewing, when you're doing a sewing thing, you talk to the seamstress. Right. Yeah. So um, none of that was ripping out. That was just finding problems along the way. Now I'm now doing the front bands where the button bands would be, but I'm not doing buttons. And that I'm doing the same lace I'm using in the body. And I was doing that at the knitting group and I've messed the lace up terribly. I started the repeat over again at the halfway mark and that I will truly have to rip out. Ripping out a couple of inches where I got off on the repeat, that is no big deal. It's just lost knitting time. It's not the same as trying to figure something out that's not working and maybe the frustration of the, the whole design not working. Mm-hmm, yeah. Next up is inspiration and fantasies. Whenever I fantasize about knitting or I have fantasy or dreams about knitting, it's almost always coming from a color or a texture or a idea or a, you know, something that I've seen somebody wear. Um, in fact, I have a folder on my computer desktop called people I've accosted to take pictures of their knitwear. <laughs> Because <laughs> if I see a really great commercial sweater or hat or something on a person, I will stop random strangers, which my teenagers love, um, and say, hey, I'm a knitwear designer. Would you mind if I took a picture of your thing? It's beautiful and I think I could reproduce it or do something similar to it. And you'd be surprised how often people are thrilled to uh -huh. do that. Um, I normally do ask if they knit it first, because if it's somebody else's pattern, I need to know that. And I want to tell them that they've done an awesome job. Uh -huh. So normally I come at it from that direction. If I'm talking about what my fantasy knitting and dreams are for right now, um, I'm thinking about sweaters. It's cold out and I have several sweater patterns that are kind of bouncing around in my head that I haven't quite figured out. And so I want to learn how to do a top down dropped shoulder sweater. Yes. 
Um, and I, you know, I've looked that up and I've seen the way that people do it, at least in the books that I have, you start in three pieces. You knit the back, you knit the front right and the front left, and then you join them all together um, and work down the body from there. And I don't want to do it that way. So I'm still thinking through other ways to do it. And I need to get onto Ravelry and look at other people's ideas just to see. The contiguous you should look into the contiguous method, although that is not a drop shoulder. Did you have anything else? <laughs> oh, well, also, um, I am, so I'm dreaming about sweaters quantity of yarn. Oh, yes. Usually in my stash, I have multiple sweaters quantity of yarn. Like, I'll, there'll be a good sale and I'll pick up this thing or that thing. But it's been a good two years since I've bought uh, sweaters quantity of yarn and I've been knitting sweater designs. And so I'm almost out. I'm dreaming about, um, I'm mainly starting from colors, just like I said. And so I want a sweater in a guacamole green. Uh huh. Um, and I'm wanting one in kind of, uh, well, several, not one. <laughs> <laughs> I want jewel tones. I want uh -huh. reds and I want blues and I want purples and I want the deep saturated colors. And um, so that's another thing I'm dreaming about. I'm dreaming about color. Um, and I'll have to get further than that before I can actually think about getting yarn or digging further into stash to see if I missed something. Uh -huh. And then the last thing that I've been kind of dreaming about is I got an email, which can be dangerous, but um, Jimmy Beans has a new Needles and Notions Club that's coming out in 2020. Mm -hmm. And each month they'll send you different needles to try and different notions to look at. And mm. that's on my dreams. That is so cool. I did not know about that. And considering I should not be adding to my stash, yarn clubs are out. That is a good idea. Yeah. Though it's on my dreams because I don't actually see that happening. But I'm, I was excited to read about it anyway. It's a uh -huh. cool, it's a great idea. Okay. So what about you? What's on your dreams and fantasies? I want to knit my dad a sweater. Last spring, maybe early this fall, but I feel like it was last spring, he was at my house and my house was a little bit chilly. For us, we all like it really warm and he would not take off his coat. I wanted him to have a sweater so that he would um, not wear a coat in the house. We did go to Savers that weekend and I bought him a fleece that's living at my house. So I'd have something to base the sweater measurements off to know what fits him and so that he would have something that is more flexible to wear while still adding a layer of warmth. But I went to knit him a wool sweater mm -hmm. for inside or outside. The pattern I have chosen as my inspiration, although I'm not sure I'm going to follow a pattern, is the Kyle Cardigan. And it is a dropped shouldered, not drop shouldered, saddle shouldered. Uh -huh. It's a saddle shoulders and it has a great big empty space in back where I can put a tree of life cable. It's called A Tree by Ariel Barton. And the reason why is because he, not profession, but his hobby, his passion, like us with yarn, with him, it is plant genetics, and he is working on trying to develop an orange tree that will make it through the Kansas winters. Huh. 
and this has bobbles on it to look like oranges. Right. So it's to show that. Now, I showed him both patterns to get his write-off on it because that tree cable is a very realistic tree, but also very busy, and I got the okay to go forward with it. So I will. So he says he would definitely like to wear it to the conventions he attends for other gardeners and um, plant breeders. That's cool. That's uh-huh. nice. So I don't know if he'll wear it the rest of the time, but I think he will. Is that it? That is it. Okay. Oh, no, that is not it. Uh, the rest of it is I've finished up my current spinning project, so it'll be stocking my stash for a new spinning project or a whip, a work in progress spinning project to get something going on my wheel again. And that is it. Next up is our reviews. So the goal of this podcast is to feature local mid-American designers and dyers, yarn producers, and also things that are useful for knitters. Today, we're reviewing Treasure Goddess, who is a favorite of both of us. She lives in the Kansas City area. I bought my yarn at one of my local yarn stores, the Yarn Social. You can get it there. And I am knitting her DK Treasures yarn. So one thing about her is all of her stuff, at least currently, is pirate themed. Yeah, I think all of it, all of it is. So this DK yarn, first off, the color is amazing. It's called Ghost Ship, which is um, a dark gray. It's tonal dyed, so it has lighter gray little stripes in it. The yarn is wonderful. It's very smooth, mini plies. It cables beautifully. It would make a wonderful sweater. I think it would be a low pilling sweater too. It's very easy to knit. It is uh, 100 grams and 274 yards, so a lot of yardage. Yeah. Um, I actually made a scarf out of the same yarn and partly out of the same color. Uh-huh. Um, it's a two-tone scarf, and it really does well with the cables, I think. This is a slipped coin cable and a medallion cable, and there's some stitches that are knit through the back loop, and I think it just does a really great job with texture and um, definition of the stitches. Um, this scarf actually I combined, it's still the DK Treasures, um, and I combined the ghost ship color that you were just talking mm-hmm. about, that beautiful dark gray, and then another col- color called Pieces of Eight, which looks like silver coins. Um, I almost bought that one. It's hard choosing between the two. Yeah. I love that you combined them together, and those cables are popping. Yeah, that's beautiful. So I really, and the texture too, because around the outside of the cables, there's texture and it, it picks up the texture really well too. I, uh-huh. think it's a, I think it's a really great yarn. So that's one of the things I brought to talk about. Do you have more or should I pull that's my other stuff? it. And I now see yours. You have so much of it. Oh. <laughs> so um, I did find her and I got these two yarns that I was just talking about in the scarf. The first time I went to the knitting at the heart in the Heartland yes. um, conference. Um, and that's where I found her, but I've ordered from her online since then, which is why I have more. I bought the stuff for the scarf when I saw her at the conference and I, you know, I wanted all of her yarn, but yeah, yarn fumes. And I ended up with just these two colors and I took them home and I didn't know what they would turn into. Um, but they turned into a scarf and I love it. I think they did a great job. Is that whole scarf just two balls of yarn or did you have to buy more? It's three. Three? I used two of one color and Uh one of the other color. Okay. So the color that you use more of is the one that's on both ends. Uh Uh-huh. 
and then um, in the center I wrote it. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I see that where it has the center panel is. Um, it's just um, one color, right? It's just one color, and it's not got the cables. It's just mm -hmm. a, a rib to go around the back of the neck because I think that goes so much faster than trying to do an entire cabled scarf. I don't have the attention span for that. So when I wrote the pattern, I didn't write it in there. Um, I have written in there that you could continue the cables across the back and instructions on how, but that's not how I write them, especially on the longer scarves. For mm -hmm. I don't have the attention span for a scarf. So doing that makes it more likely for me to knit it. What's the name of that pattern? Um, that's actually the Wyda scarf, W-H-Y-D-A-H. Uh -huh. Okay. And it's named after a ship. And there's a little bit in the pattern detail about that. Okay, so cool. Yeah. But I also have, um, I brought, I made uh, one sample of my Neve Cal out of her worsted weight in a color that I absolutely love. It's called Copper Cove. And when it was on her website, I saw it as a DK option, but not as a worsted option. And I've been listening to the Knitting Vicariously podcast and I wanted to make something gold for her glorious gold along. And I thought, oh, that Copper Cove counts because, I mean, that's gold and that's a color I love. And I contacted her and she's like, oh, yeah, I have that in a worsted weight. Hold on. Uh huh. So now I have it and I knit a cowl out of it. And I again, I think it does great with the cables. Yeah, those cables are really popping. And that color is luscious. It's beautiful. If I, if I made a sweater out of her yarn... I'm really leaning towards this color. I uh -huh. love it. It's like a bronze, gold, brown. I love it. Yes. It's beautiful. It is beautiful. You have to pull out the purple and orange because that combination is taking my breath away. Right. So then I, I actually just ordered from her not too long ago. Um, and I was, I made an order that in a few of her colors, because again, I start designs from the color and go from there. Uh -huh. So I don't know what these are going to become. I just knew that I wanted these colors to sit in my stash until I decide what they're going to turn into. I got mostly DK treasures because I really enjoyed working with that yarn. Um, I got one in her worsted weight in a purple called Song of the Sirens which is beautiful. It's kind of a plum purple. Mm -hmm. There's some dark bits and some light bits in it. And then for her DK weight, I got a red that I'm super excited about called Ruby Daggers. And I bought three skeins of that. So 274 yards times three skeins. This could be a shawl. This could mm -hmm. be, it's not enough for a sweater uh, the size, chest circumference and length that I like. Uh-huh. But it might be for a sweater your size. I'm not Three. sure. It'd be pushing it. Although with crop sweaters being in right now, I could do a crop sweater. So 274 yards, 100 grams. I probably need three and a half. That's, that is the bummer on 100 gram skeins because when I need 50 grams of something. However, you could always use it for something else. Exactly. Yeah, it's beautiful. I'm never bummed out by... Um, leftover yarns. So. Right. And then the orange you were asking about, um, still it's a DK Treasures. Still it's 274 yards. Um, the colorway name is Lusty Winch, which I like. Yes. This one's screaming cowl to me, I think. Uh-huh. My two favorite things to design are cowls and sweaters. It is a vivid orange. I know they're different weights, so you wouldn't combine them into the same project. But I love how the vivid orange of Lusty Winch looks paired with that 
plum color of Song of the Sirens. Yeah. And then I wanted to say, um, she's nice. Like, I met her in person at that show, and that was cool. But also, when you order from her, usually there's something extra thrown in the package when it really? comes. Yeah. Okay. A lot of times there's a note. Uh-huh. She'll actually write a note, which is nice. One time there was a pin, a pirate ship oh, pin. That is adorable. I haven't decided what to put it on, but I like uh-huh. it. Everybody's putting them on their knitting bags. Yeah. I'll have to pull one out. Uh, sticker. A sticker. Pirate sheep sticker. Time I got sent this little bitty bag, <gasps> which I turned into the smallest swag. toolkit. Uh huh. Yeah. She has good swag. She really does. I think that's it. Next up is the podcast announcements. Uh, we have a Ravelry board. Please come join us there. That is Geminit Podcasts. Also, you can follow us on Instagram at Geminit Podcast. I said us. Uh, the Instagram feed is all me. Then on the Ravelry board, we have that open hat thread of 20 hats in 2020. So if you finish a hat on Ravelry, go ahead and tag it as GP20Hats2020. Or if you want to feature it on Instagram, tag it as hashtag GP20Hats2020. And on Instagram, if you want to do just 20 things in 2020, you don't want to be restricted to hats, maybe you're crazy and want to do sweaters, because I got to say, I thought about that and before reality <laughs> hit. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> and then um, hashtag GP20 in 2020. And we also have a coupon code. Right now, I'm going to put all of my cows on a 25% discount with the code Podcast. just as a thank you for listening, and I'm excited that it started. Thank you. On the list, at the table. At the table. What I've been doing at the table recently is I am very lucky to have three knitting groups that I'm currently going to. And all of those, this is so awesome. After a couple of years of not being able to go to anything because of the hours I worked, right now I have some free time that I'm able to squeeze them in. And all of them are sitting around a table. That in itself is enough, but we usually try to bring in a little bit of food into this. At knit nights, at these tables, there's always nibbles and often wine. My fun at knit night is white wine of indeterminate because I never see it. It just appears in front of me in a glass. And then also Bergen dark chocolate sea salt caramels. You wow. get them bulk from Hy-Vee. I think you can get them bulk from other places. They are so good. I have a Hy-Vee. Now I want to go see. Oh, you should. And then also lint chocolates. So Mm -hmm. both of those I have been enjoying. People have been bringing them in to share. Did you have anything else? That's it. I have a couple of things. The first thing is a cranberry spice jam. So like every year over the holidays, I somehow end up with half a bag of cranberries that don't have anything to do. They don't have any, like I don't want to make them into salsa and I've already made the sauce or already made a loaf of bread out of them. And actually I did find a new yummy cranberry loaf bread recipe this year too but that only used up half the bag so I went looking for something else and at first I was going to make syrup because I thought 
we freeze breakfast foods ahead of time so I could make a syrup out of this and then the boys could um, eat it for breakfast without my being involved because that's the way I prefer breakfast. It's got high in vitamin C, so I just thought that's a great idea. So I started making it and I got this recipe and it is called cranberry spice jam. I thought, well, I'll just make that into a syrup. Turns out the natural natural pectin in cranberries means that it thickens up too much for it to be a syrup, uh-huh. but it's a really yummy jam. I had no idea. And I I can believe that it's yummy because I love cranberries. Yeah. So I'll leave, I'll put that recipe, the link to that recipe in the show notes because I thought it was a great recipe. In fact, I thought it was so good that I went back and I bought more cranberries on purpose and I made it for my neighbors to hand uh-huh. out over the holidays because it seemed like a nice you know, yeah. low cost, low investment um, gift that I made to give to the neighbors. So uh-huh. I went back and did that. And then the other thing on my list is I found a new flavor of LaCroix water and it's called hibiscus. And I really, really like it. It's kind of floral and it's kind of fruity. And I'm like, I kept thinking, I recognize this flavor. I wonder what it's from. Uh-huh. And so I've spent a good week trying to track that down. I finally figured it out. At first I thought, you know, maybe it's the original high C flavor from when we were kids and uh-huh. that, that fruit punch flavor. And I, maybe they made that from hibiscus and that's why it was called high C. And, you know, so I went down a rabbit hole looking for that. That's not true. That's, <laughs> that's nowhere near right. It turns out it is made from the same flower that West African besop is made from, which is their vision, version of like a lemonade with sugar and you drink okay. it like lemonade or Kool-Aid. And, and that's where I was recognizing the flavor from. And I was so glad to have tracked that down because it was going to drive me crazy. That is so cool. I've had hibiscus tea where you buy the hibiscus dried up flowers in bulk and make a tea out of it. I've never done that. Okay. You can do that. Look at your whatever health food store you have. I got them at Whole Foods. So like Hy-Vee wouldn't do it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. But those were the, the things on my, that have been on my table this year, this week, this, this week. month, this <laughs> whatever. Next up is On the Horizon events that are coming up. Okay. Do you want me to go first? Yeah, go ahead. Winter Wool Fest is coming up in Wamigo on January 25th. That's on a Saturday from like 10 in the morning till four in the afternoon. Um, They usually have small, you know, 30 minute classes and vendors. And I'm excited this year, I'm going to go with my knitting group to check it out. I kind of like the idea of having a support system there with me. Plus somebody has already set up and made a reservation for us to go next door to the friendship house that's supposed to be famous for their cinnamon rolls. Uh I almost never eat cinnamon rolls, but I'm excited to try them. So that's coming up in January. It's in the Columbian Theater, which is kind of right downtown next to the Wizard of Oz Museum and Toto's Tacos in Wamigo, Kansas. And then Knitting in the Heartland is coming up. I'm excited about that one too. It's a longer uh, conference. It's April 17th through the 19th of 2020. And they have three big names coming in this year to teach classes. And I'm excited. They had people sign up on a wait list to get into different classes. And I'm not sure of my final class list yet, but I'm going to get to take classes with at least one of these people, maybe two. Uh-huh. Um, one of them is the Yarn Harlot, Stephanie Pearl McPhee. Another one is Ann Weaver, and the third one is Patty Lyons. Plus, they have other um, more local teachers that'll come in and teach classes, and they've got vendors and events. So I'm excited about that one. Yeah, that is very exciting. What's coming up for me is Ply Away. That is, they call it a spinning retreat. I think of it as a convention. Um, it takes place April 14th through the 18th in Kansas City, I believe at the Crown Center. 
Mm -hmm. I've already signed up and received my teachers, and it's verified that I am taking multiple classes from Judith McKenzie. That's and exciting. It's so exciting. And the other classes I signed up for are also big names, which are afterthoughts to me because I'm such a fangirl of Judith's. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It'll be my first time going to it. Uh, I've gone to the shopping, but it'll be my first time taking classes. Okay, I have some local trivia here. So our tagline is about knitting, spinning, dyeing, and other crafts in Mid-America. I decided to look up uh, Mid-America, and then on a future other episodes, we'll be talking about more local areas. So first I went to Wikipedia, and they didn't have Mid-America, they had Middle America. And they said Middle America is a colloquial term for the United States heartland, especially the culturally rural and suburban areas of the United States. I feel like that's a burn. <laughs> <laughs> but I kept looking because since uh, that, whole, that whole thing really did feel a bit like a burn, I went to Urban Dictionary because Urban Dictionary will tell me if a word is offensive or not and what it says. And Urban Dictionary says, Mid-America, a large, vast, consolidated region that makes up almost two-thirds of the United States total land area. It consists of the following states, Alabama, Arkansas, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Kentucky, Louisiana, Michigan, Minnesota, Mississippi, Missouri, Montana, Nebraska, New Mexico, North Dakota, Ohio, Oklahoma, South Dakota, Tennessee, Texas, Utah, Wisconsin, and Wyoming. And that is perfect. That's exactly what I thought it meant when I was moving it for the tagline. No cliches that we're all about celebrating the yarn, the knitting, the fiber arts in mid-america all right that's all we have for this episode thank you for joining happy knitting happy knitting <laughs>